thankful to be saved. And it's good to be in church. Always a blessing to be, be at Calvary. And I'm glad Brother Pope lets us come by here. And uh, we always enjoy being in church with you. It's a blessing. And I'm glad, even though y'all are in this nice, fancy building, y'all hadn't got uppity up and <laughs> snooty and snobby. And you're still just a bunch of rednecks. Amen. Amen. <laughs> But it is a blessing to see what the Lord's given you and provided for you. That's always a blessing. And appreciate the spirit of this church. And I was thinking, I think my wife would probably agree with me. We was, we was at a church in Malvern, Arkansas last Sunday night. And uh, just similar spirit. About the same size church and, and same stand, but just the same spirit. And uh, Brother John Horton, I don't know if you ever met Brother Horton. Uh, he he might have been in Hammond a little bit after you. But a good man, good brother. And... I don't get an offer unless I sing Bartimaeus at his church. So y'all, y'all have that in common too. Uh, but uh, I appreciate your pastor. And, uh, I like his spirit. He's a, he's a nice guy. And he's proof that you can still stand for truth. In a day of compromise, you still stand for truth and be nice. I mean, there is a time when you have to get a little bit of a bulldog about you. But it ain't got to be all the time. And uh, I appreciate his spirit. And I need a little bit more of that because uh, I, I tend to be a grump sometimes. So I, I, his, his spirit helps me. So I appreciate that. And the good choir singing. We go to so many churches where they say, no, we're not doing any choir singing tonight. No, so we're just, you, y'all, y'all do it all. And, and we're glad to do that. But, man, I enjoy good singing myself. I, I enjoy. And I enjoyed hearing the choir tonight. That was a blessing. And I love that song, He's Still on the Throne. Y'all were singing that. And I got to think, first time I ever ran a lap in church, a choir was up singing, he's still on the throne. And I'm not Pentecostal, don't get nervous. But y'all sure ain't going to believe this. I mean, you talk about running laps in North Carolina. I mean, you know, that's nothing. I was in Kansas. Now, they don't carry on quite like that out in places like Kansas and and such, and uh, we was at a revival meeting at an old church. It was just an old, tall, downtown building church, and it was a morning service in the summertime, and the church didn't have central air. And so they had the windows open and the back door open to let, let, let air in, and man, the choir was up singing. He's still on the throne. I was 21. Me and Stormy had just gotten married like the Saturday before, went on a quick honeymoon, and then went to this revival meeting. And uh, they were singing that song, and man, it just thrilled my soul. And I thought, man, I should I should have run on that one. I'd never run before, but I just felt like running. And uh, I guess the Lord hurt, knew, knew the desire of my heart because the pastor said, "Sing that second verse again." <laughs> and man, they got to sing, and it's like, well, amen. It's just as good as it was the first time. I jumped up in that old church building, took off running around the back. I got to the back doors. Remember, I said they were open. And there was a couple preachers that were standing in the back and they were kind of blocking my path, my running path. I didn't know what to do. I'd never run laps in church before. So I just shot out the door. (laughs) Well, there was a, being an old timey downtown building, I mean, it had a bunch of steps. I just leaped those steps. I mean, God had to be in it. I'd have died. Stormy told me later, one of the other ladies was like, he made it. It's okay. (laughs) But I love that song. Love the truth of it. Book of Luke, chapter number five tonight in your Bible, and I will not be long. I, I promise you that. And y'all are, y'all, are a ble- y'all are blessed tonight. I preached my hard negative message this morning at the church I was at. So I'm in sweet mode this evening. How about that? <laughs> Luke, chapter number five. My kids just said, yeah, like dad has a sweet mode. 
I really do want to encourage you tonight, though. Luke chapter number 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 4. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. What a miracle we just read. Don't read these accounts in the Word of God, especially in the Gospels, and miss the miracle. That God could take a weary servant with weak faith, a broken net, and sinking ships, and still get a multitude of fish onto the land. That's a pretty big miracle to me. And you know what happens when things work out like that? No man can get the glory for it. I mean, everything was against man. But Jesus shows up on the scene and and great things get accomplished. And when that happens, all you can do is step back and say, to God be the glory, great things He has done. But I'm interested in verse number 6, that very last phrase of the verse where it said, and their net break. I'm going to preach tonight on a broken net. Peter found out on this day what God could do with brokenness. Earlier this year, I sat down in my study and I just began to study on some messages about brokenness, broken things, broken people in the Bible that God was able to do great things with. And we live in a throwaway society. We've got it so good, we've been so blessed that, I mean, something breaks, we just run out to the store and buy something new. Some of y'all remember what it was like to not be, have it so good. Something would break. You was going to do everything within your power to try to fix it and go into the store and buying a new one was a last option. Some of y'all remember those days, don't you? I remember here a while back, my, our, our, uh, our washing machine started leaking. It had a leak. Well, you know what I did? I did what most people in my generation did. I got on the phone. I'm Googling washing machines. How much is this going to cost me? Not my wife. My wife, you know what she did? She got on Google and she got on YouTube and figured out what the problem was, took the thing apart, ordered the, ordered the part that was messed up, put it back together, and now the thing's been running fine for three or four months. She saved me a lot of money, y'all. <laughs> we live in a day when things get tough, people just throw it away. Get something new. We do that with, with marriages. Just, you know, hey, things got a little tough. Let's just call it quits. Try something else. We do that with church. Churches have problems. And don't get me wrong, Brother Pope, I get sometimes God moves people. I understand that. He moves preachers at times. I get that. 
But I don't think it's as often as some people are saying it is. Some people, every time things get a little tough in the church, I feel like the Lord's leading us down the road. Are you sure it's the Lord leading you down the road? But I have found that God delights in brokenness because it gives Him an opportunity to work in our brokenness, in our trials, in our troubles. And then when things happen, I mean good things happen, He gets the glory. Notice just by way of introduction, notice the people in verse number 1. It said, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Him. You know what that tells me? People like Jesus. I mean, if you'll just make things about Jesus and make much of Jesus, you'll have the crowd. You might not have the biggest crowd in town. You may not have the biggest church in town, but you will have the right crowd. If you just make much, I tell you what people don't like. They don't like a song that's all about you. We got enough entertainment going on in the churches where it's just people that are up showing off their great ability. Thank God for talent. Use your talent for God, but make sure he gets the glory. You get up here and sing, it ain't time for you to put on a show. It's time to lift up the Lord and minister to hearts so we can worship. Amen. And it's the same way with preaching. I've heard a lot of preaching. I mean, an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church, there was a whole lot of self in it. I'm leery of any preacher who's the hero of all his own stories. Amen. But you make much of Jesus, you'll have the right crowd. Now look, y'all, I realize there's a crowd out here now. The cry of this crowd is, just preach Jesus. Just preach the gospel. And what they mean by that is don't preach anything negative. Don't preach anything confrontational. Hey, do you realize you can't even preach the gospel without it being confrontational? You know what the gospel, when it's preached according to the word of God does? It confronts lost sinners with their lost condition and the fact that they are facing hell and damnation if they don't repent and turn to Christ. It's a confrontational message. We can't shy away from that. But I tell you what, if you'll make Jesus the center of things, amen, make sure he's in his rightful place, in the singing, in the, in the preaching, in the teaching, whatever it may be, you'll have the right crowd. But notice the purpose of the gathering. It said in verse 1, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, they wanted to hear him preach. They weren't even here necessarily to see a miracle or a healing. They just wanted to press upon him to hear him preach the word. You know, if you're going to build the right kind of church, it's still got to be built on the preaching and teaching of the word of God. I love singing. If I didn't love singing, I wouldn't sing. That was real deep, wasn't it? (laughs) I like good singing. I like bad singing if it's got God's breath on it. Amen. But I just like singing that honors the Lord. But if you make it all about singing, your church... Singers and musicians may get mad and leave. But if you make it about the book, let them leave. You still got the truth. Amen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having big days and promotions and giveaways and things like that. But you better build it on the book. Because if it's all about what you're giving away, eventually some church up the road is going to give something away a whole lot better than what you're giving away. But when all that's come and gone, the book remains. Amen. Amen. Notice the place of their gathering there in verse number one. He stood by the lake Gennesaret, oftentimes referred to as the Sea of Galilee, sometimes referred to the Sea of Tiberias. That's where they are are gathered at this moment. 
But notice the provision for our Lord. Look at verse 2. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now you got to remember in verse 1, the people are pressing upon him. In my mind, I'm seeing that they've probably already, they've, they've about got him backed up to the water's edge. And so the Lord has a need. And you know, I got to thinking, I was looking over my notes coming over here. You know, he could have just stepped out onto the water. He's Jesus. He did it before. But again, they're not having a Pentecostal miracle service here. He's preaching. And he's also going to teach these men some lessons. And so these ships become available. And I'm glad to know tonight that when we have a need as God's children, he's always faithful to provide the need. Whether it be a church building, whether it be a church bus, I mean, it, vehicles ain't cheap right now. And there's not a lot of availability. By the way, I was impressed with the fact y'all just got behind your preacher. I mean, when he, when he announced we need to have a meeting, I mean, in my heart, it's like, oh, no. Do I need to go get my gun? Because I'm just going to be honest with you all. The church I tried to pastor for four years, they loved business meetings. And that wasn't a good thing. You couldn't get a brother Pope, you couldn't get that crowd to show up for a prayer meeting for nothing. They were all about business meetings. And it was cutthroat. And Lord would give me some burden for the church and want to spend two or three hundred dollars and it would be an hour of why we shouldn't do it. I just don't. I appreciate you getting that. That's not the message, but I appreciate you getting with your preacher right there. That's a blessing. But I am glad that we've got a God who can provide us with exactly what we need, when we need it. Usually come from, from ways that we, we would never have thought. I mean, y'all are probably like me. Usually if I've got a need, I'm thinking, I bet it'll come from here or from there. And then the Lord's got a back door over here I didn't even know existed. Amen. He's faithful to provide. Notice his pulpit in verse number three. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he didn't need a big fancy tabernacle or sanctuary. He didn't need a nice big pulpit. He would just use whatever he had available to make sure the word went forth. This is a nice pulpit, Brother Pope, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. God's blessed y'all with a nice facility here, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. But I tell you what, there is a problem when somebody feels like they have to have this before they'll open up the word of God and preach. If you're a preacher here tonight and your mentality is, well, I'm called to preach, but nobody will let me. Nobody will give me an opportunity. I bet there's plenty of street corners all over Union Grove and down in Statesville where you can take the word of God and you can proclaim, thus saith the Lord. I guarantee you there's a nursing home somewhere, if, if, if COVID restrictions have lifted anyway, where there's people that would love for somebody to come and just take a few minutes and preach to them the word of God. You're not looking for an opportunity to preach. You're looking for an opportunity to promote yourself. Hmm? Do you, want, do you want to preach? Or are you trying to be a Christian celebrity? Jesus just took the ship and sat down and did what needed to be done. But now when you come to verse number 4, and here's the message tonight, he, he turns his attention away from the multitude. and He's going to teach these few fishermen a lesson in what he can do with brokenness. Three things and I'm done. Number one, notice... First of all, the Savior's command. 
Verse number 4. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. The first thing I see about the Lord's command is that it was progressive because that's the way He always works in our lives. It's a progressive thing. It's a growth thing. I'm glad He allows us to grow in grace. Amen. He said in verse number 3, thrust out a little from the land. Now that could speak of salvation. I mean, you got to get in. You got to take that first step of faith. Get off the shore, get off the land and step out by faith. If that's you tonight, if you're here this evening and you haven't taken that step of faith, hey, that's the first step. Thrust out. I mean, maybe in your mind you're thinking, but I could never preach. I could never sing. I could never get up in the choir. Quit worrying about all that and take that first step of obedience. Amen. And faith gets saved. Thrust out a little from the land. Then in verse number four, it's launch out into the deep. I I believe that could speak of sanctification. The Lord says, okay, now you're saved. You've met me. You've been in that shallow water for a little while. Now it's time to come on out here into the deep and get to know me. I mean, really get to know me in a more intimate way. I believe we've got a lot of people that are saved, but they've spent a little bit too much time in that shallow end of the water. You know, that shallow end with your ducky floaties waiting, flapping around, and the Lord said, no, now it's time to come on out. Come on out and get to know me a little better. And then he said, let down your nets. And that could speak of service. You're saved. You've gotten to know me. You're growing in the Bible, in the Word, and in doctrine. Now it's time to work for me. It's time to labor. That's a word we don't like. Amen. Work. That's a nasty four-letter word, ain't it? If you're ever going to have a close walk with God, you're going to have to learn to labor for Him. But I'm glad, Brother Pope, that he does things in a progressive way. It's not, okay, now you're saved, and you know, I mean, you need to have everything figured out day one. I mean, you ought to be able to get in the Word and expound the great deep doctrines of the... I'm glad he gives us time to grow. But it was also a peculiar command. The reason I say that is most fish are caught at night. And most fish are caught in the shallow water. And here it is in the daytime, and he said, let's go out to the deep. Now these expert fishermen, they're probably thinking, this is a little different. I mean, we're the ones that know what we're doing, and he's telling us to do the complete opposite. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to get us to quit thinking in the realm of the natural and the normal. Amen. Get God out of your little box and just by faith trust Him and His power and what He can do, even if it seems peculiar. Oftentimes what God asks of us, it's not going to make sense on paper. I mean, if you're getting your pen out and you're trying to get it all figured out, you ain't ever going, you ain't going to figure God out. Usually the things he asks us to do, they make no sense at all to the natural man. Just trust God. I don't know how y'all do missions around here. I know you do. Um, And the main thing is that you support missions. Uh, I like faith promise mission. And you know what I like about it? I like the fact that there's been so many times over the last 20 years of adult life, ministry, marriage, there's been so many times that I've sat down with that faith promise card when it was time for missions conference. 
And the Lord would give me a figure that I'm like, ooh, that, that don't make sense with my budget. And the Lord says, that's why it's faith promise. You just put down what I want you to do. And every time I've watched him come through and meet the need and we're able to see the gospel go out around this world, amen. My, my pastor, Brother Tony Wood, he, he's been the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Campbell, Missouri for 18 years. We've been members of that church about three and a half years. And uh, just... Recently, he resigned the church and he's going into missions in the Middle East. That's a scary place, y'all. A lot of scary things going on in the Middle East all the time, but especially right now. And he feels like the Lord would have him and his wife go over there and be missionaries. My pastor's not a young man. I mean, he's not an old man. Uh, I think he's 48 years old. His wife's 50. I'm 41. Used to 47, 48 years. That looked, that was old. That's not old anymore. Amen. You know, most guys do that kind of stuff right out of Bible college. I mean, they got that Bible college education. They got the zeal. They're on fire. I'm going to go to the, the darkest part of the world and reach them with the gospel. <laughs> no, he's been in the same place for 18 years, raised his kids there, still have two kids that are unmarried. They're leaving them here in the States. And I'll be honest with you, I know there's been some times that him and his wife have scratched their heads and said, Lord, we got a good church. Things are going good at Calvary Baptist Church in Campbell, Missouri. We're comfortable here. Our children are here. But yet he's just stepping out by faith and going where God has told him to go, even if it seems peculiar. If you're the kind of person you're always going to try to figure God out, if you're the kind of person that you have to have all your ducks in a row before you ever attempt to serve God, you'll never do anything for God. It was progressive, it was peculiar, but it was possible because what you got to understand is Jesus created that water. Jesus created those fish. Jesus created Peter. Jesus created the ships and the net. And Jesus created you and Jesus created me. And we just need to trust Him and do what He has commanded us to do. The Savior's command. Number two, I see Simon Peter's complaint. In verse number five, he voices his objection and Simon Peter said unto him, Master, we've told all the night. He says, Lord, I, I'm going to object to this based on my fatigue. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I've been here out here all evening. I mean, they were washing the nets. They were getting ready to go home and go to bed. And the Lord says, no, we're going to go back out. He said, we've told all the night. We're tired. We're weary. Sometimes, brother and sister, you're just going to have to make up your mind, I'm going to serve God even if I'm tired and I don't feel like it. I don't know about y'all, on Sunday afternoon, I like to take a nap. And I think God's in that sometimes. I mean, brother Pope, I know as a preacher, I mean, you get up and you, you, you give that burden, you preach your heart. And it may not seem like much to y'all, but man, it, it's physically tasking. And so I appreciate it. But you know, sometimes... Our schedule don't work out like it did today where we're just an hour from the church we were at this morning. Sometimes it's two and three hours in between churches and that nap don't happen and yet there's still a crowd of people that need to hear the word of God preached. It don't matter whether I got my nap or not. And then I really have to pray, Lord, I, I sure don't need to be grumpy tonight. I need, joy. I need an extra dose of grace. But there'll be times you'll be tired. But you just do what God commands you to anyway. If you're waiting for everything to be convenient before you serve God, again, 
You're never going to serve Him. It's not going to make sense. You're going to be tired at times. And I'm thankful for the, for the servants of God that just keep on serving even when they're tired and wore out. Maybe they don't feel like it, but they just they do what God wants them to do. And listen, I just want to say I, I'm for rest. I'm for vacation. I'm not one of these preachers. Bless God, we're committed to Jesus. We don't take vacations. I'm not that guy. But I, am the, I will tell you this. There's going to be times you're going to be tired and you don't feel like it. But if he's telling you to do it, just trust him and go with God. He mentions their fatigue, but then he points out their failure too. He said in verse 5, we've told all the night and have taken nothing. He said, we've been out here all night. We're tired. We ain't even got anything to show for it. In other words, he's saying, why should I try again when I already tried and I failed? But hey, Peter, the reason you should try again is because now Jesus is in the boat. And he makes all the difference. Maybe you got up, maybe Brother Pope gave you an opportunity to preach and you got up and you did what we called, you laid an egg. You bombed out, you preached a dud. I've preached plenty of those in my life. I'm praying tonight won't be one of them. Maybe you felt like you just made an absolute mess of the mess. You know what you do? You go home, you pray, you study, get some Jesus in that thing, amen, and get up and give it another shot. Maybe you got up and sang, and maybe you feel like you messed up or your voice wasn't as strong as you was hoping it would be. But you know what? You don't quit. You just go home and you practice and pray, get some God on it, get some Jesus in it, and you get up and sing for the Lord again. Whatever it may be, maybe you failed. Just get up and try again. Go again for God. Just make sure he's in it. As long as he's in the boat, man, things are going to work out like they should. His objection, but then I do see his obedience. He did say there at the end of verse number five, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. You know what I see there? I see respect for the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I ain't even got great faith right now. But nevertheless, at thy word. He didn't feel like it. His faith was weak, but he had respect for the Lord. But I also want you to see that his obedience was partial. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down, watch this, the net. Now, the Lord's command back in verse number was four was let down your nets for a draw. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Hey, brother and sister, do you realize we really need to pay attention to the details when the Lord tells us something? Details are important. Now, here, here's the message. We could preach tonight about Peter and we could say something like partial obedience is disobedience. And I wouldn't argue with you on that. But tonight I want to say that partial obedience is better than no obedience at all. It wasn't the best scenario, but even the Lord said, I'll take it and I'll show you what I can do. With your weak faith and your wearied body and your limited skills, you just give me that one net and I'll show you what I can do. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like Peter. Maybe your faith has grown weak. 
Maybe you've been through so many trials and troubles in your life, your faith is just growing dim and weak. Maybe you're wore out from the problems of life and you just even wonder, is it worth it? Should I even keep trying to serve God? That's where we're at in this day and hour. There are a lot of people, Brother Pope, that genuinely, I believe they genuinely love God. And in their heart, they want to serve God, but in their body, they're tired. In their mind, their faith has grown weak, and they're wondering, is it even worth it? And I want to encourage you tonight and say this, a net is better than no nets. Just give Jesus what you feel like you can and just watch what He can do with it. I know as the evangelist, a lot of times we come in here and we're preaching, I surrender all. Man, give it all to God. Give it your best. And the reason we do that is because we know that is where the greatest blessings are. But tonight I'm just asking, could you throw a net out there and see what the Lord could do? Notice what the Lord did with Peter's net. Lastly tonight, I see the successful catch. Look at verse 6. And when they had this done, by the way, that word win, the win of our agreement is followed by the then of God's abundance. The word win, everything that follows in these verses is, is dependent upon that word. Again, Peter's obedience was partial. At least he put a net out there. Notice in verse number 6, the slew of fish that they caught. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. A great multitude, y'all. Not one fish. Two fish, red fish, blue fish. I still like Dr. Seuss even if it's not politically correct. Amen. That wasn't even in my nose. I'm going to write that down and use that again. A few of y'all laughed. No, the Bible said they caught a great multitude. Now, you remember they did it. They did it in the night. They went out in the nighttime. They went out in the shallow water, and what happened? They came back empty-handed. Now they're doing it the way that Jesus told them to do it, even though it didn't make sense. Now they're catching a great multitude of fish. But notice the stress on the net. It said, and their net break. I bet about that time Peter was thinking, yeah, I probably should have gone ahead and thrown them all out. Too late now. Their net break. Now, Every commentator and writer that I read after while I was studying this message, they all said the same thing about that net breaking. They all said, now, now we know the net didn't actually completely break. It just means that it began to break because had it broke completely, then they would have never got the fish into the ships and onto the shore. And I'm thinking, have you really ever read about Jesus? I mean, the truth, Jesus didn't even need a net or ships to get the fish on. We're talking about Jesus, the way maker, the miracle worker. I mean, it don't matter if the net is shredded to pieces. He's God's son and he can get the job done. Quit trying to destroy the miracles and power. You know what that is? That's a bunch of pious, self-professed Bible scholars. They think they're smarter than the book. Amen. If the Bible says the net break, I just believe it broke. But notice this. Notice the support they got from others. Look at verse number 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. Here's another miracle right here. And they came. They said, hey, we need help. We 
got so many fish over here, we can't handle it all. We need some help. And I mean, them other fellows couldn't have been independent fundamental Baptists because if they had been, they'd have said, who is that over there? Did they, did they go to the Bible college we went to? Are they, in our, are they in our circle? Are they in our preacher's fellowship? Hey, before we come over there, we got some questions. I mean, how do y'all, I mean, what do y'all, how y'all feel about Christmas trees? Huh? Who who do y'all think the sons of God were in Genesis chapter 6? Well, how do you feel about the gap theory? You know, all these these deep, important, important doctrines. (laughs) Look, y'all, man, I think you ought to know what you believe and have convictions about what you believe. All of those things. You ought to know what you believe about that. But man, if God's blessing something, and as long as it ain't crossing, I mean, major doctrinal boundaries, just rejoice in it. If you can, go be a blessing and try to get in on it. If God starts doing something down at Calvary Baptist Church in Statesville, don't sit up here in Union Grove going, well, I bet they ain't doing it right. I don't don't think God's in that. Just because you're jealous because it ain't happening up here, I'd go down there and get in. Maybe it'll be contagious and it'll spread up here. Amen. Just rejoice that at least God's in the neighborhood. Amen. No, they came. They said, yeah, that looks like something we want to get in on. They sought help from others and they joined in. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that as Bible-believing Christians we can come together and get a job done. I'm not talking about laying major doc. Y'all understand that tonight? I want to be clear on that, brother. I'm not talking about laying, giving up your King James Bible and giving into the nightclub type church atmosphere. I'm not talking about all that. I'm just talking about some of the silly stuff. Would you have all the exact same dress standards we have? Probably not. But I mean, are are we at least trying to be separated from the world? I mean, some guys, I mean, they won't fellowship with another guy if they use canned music. I mean, if a guy doesn't use canned music, maybe he's got good reasons. Maybe he just doesn't want to fight that battle. I get that. But he's not my enemy. If he does something a little different. I mean, I know independent Baptists that would walk in here and go, "Mm, they got a bass guitar over there. (laughs) I like it. Doesn't offend me one bit. But even if it did, I could get over it and try to get in on a blessing if God's doing something. It's so funny. Evangelism, it's so interesting. You get to see all the different cultures around the the country and and even in America how different we do things. I mean, I'll go to churches in the southeast here in the Carolinas and they'll say, boy, God showed up this morning and God got in the music and man, praise God, we don't need an orchestra. We don't need all that, that highbrow orchestra music and them, you know, we, we, we got our banjos and our mandolins and our bass guitar. But then I go up north and they're like, boy, God showed up this morning and, and boy, he blessed that orchestra music. We don't need them bass guitars and... <laughs> And you know what I'm seeing, getting to see? God, God uses it all. I mean, until it just gets flat out worldly. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think God's near tore up about a lot of that stuff as we are. I'm getting off track. I got to wind this message down. 
Some of y'all are with me. Some of you are trying to figure out whether you're with me or not. (laughs) They got support. But notice the sinking ships. It said, and they came, verse 7, and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now, you know you have caught a mess of fish. How many of of y'all like to fish? A few of you. You've caught a mess of fish when you got two ships, not boats, ships. And both of them are sinking. You've caught a bunch of fish with a broken net. So what's your point, Brother Daniel? Just say, this is what Jesus does. If we can just get self out of the way. But I want you to notice Peter's statement in verse number 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And brother and sister, that is the response from somebody who knows it wasn't me. I didn't even have great faith. I just had enough faith and strength to throw one net out. But look what God did. That man or that woman that knows it's not of themselves, it's not of their own talent and ability or know-how, when they see God do something great, when they see God do something miraculous, they just step back and say, Oh, glory be to God, I'm not worthy. Don't give me the praise. Don't give me the glory. It's all Him. That's why God delights in brokenness because he gets the glory. But then look at their submission in verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now they're singing, I surrender all. But it didn't begin that way. If Peter was honest, it began with, I'll surrender one. I'll surrender. But you know what the Lord said? I'll take it. It's not exactly what I told you to do, but I'll take it. If that's all you can do, Peter, I'll take it. And I'll do a miracle that you'll never forget. And 2,000 years later, they'll still be telling other people about that miracle. If you just give him the one, and then you see what he can do with it, it'll start stirring something down inside of you that says, now I want to give it all to Him. But maybe that's not where you're at tonight. Maybe you're not at that place where you feel like you can give it all. I just want to have a little grace with somebody tonight. We at least give Him a net. Just a net. Say, preacher, my, my, my faith is weak. I'm tired in my body and in my mind. I'm dealing with things and I just don't feel like it. Just one? Just just a little? Maybe maybe you used to be more faithful to read your Bible every day and, 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 and big portions of it. And just some things have crowded your mind and your time and you've just completely laid it aside. Could you get up maybe in the morning or even tonight before you go to bed and a verse? Well, preacher, that's not much. Better than nothing. You got to start somewhere and then build on that. Maybe your prayer life has grown weak and you don't pray like you used to. Two minutes to start your day in the morning. I know some of you are like, that's not much. It's better than nothing.
How about it tonight? Are you sitting here and you're thinking, man, I just, I can relate to Peter. I just don't feel like throwing all the nets out there. Could you give him at least a net and watch what he can do? You say, preacher, I feel like I'm broken. Good. God can do something with you. Because that guy that thinks he's perfect and has no flaws, he may accomplish some great things, but he'll get all the glory. He'll be the one on Twitter telling the whole world how much he's done for Jesus so he can see how many likes he gets. (laughs) But that one that's broken, when they see God do something with their life, they just say, glory be to God. It's all Him. Maybe you ain't got a lot of talent. Maybe you don't have a lot of abilities. Could I, could I say this tonight? Could I venture into the uncomfortable zone? Maybe you're here tonight and you've been through a divorce. I hate divorce. But I don't hate divorced people. And maybe some mean-spirited preacher over time has made you feel like some second-class citizen. You don't feel like you can do anything for God. I would encourage you tonight just to throw that net out there and say, Lord, I've been a little bit broken and I've been through a tragedy in my life, but I'm still going to throw that net out there. If you'll just take it and use it, I'll give you the glory. We're standing to our feet tonight. Musicians are coming. I'm glad tonight that God can take broken things and broken people He can do some incredible miracles. Probably the reason there's such a sweet spirit at Calvary Baptist Church, I'm probably preaching to some people that you've been broken, but you didn't quit. There might have even been a time you didn't even feel like you could throw all the nets out there, but you at least threw a net out there. and You saw what God could do with it. I just want to encourage you tonight. Just If if you can't say, I surrender all right now, can you at least say, "I, I surrender some? I'll surrender one. Lord, I pray you take this message and use it to be a help and a blessing and an encouragement to somebody here tonight. Lord, help us to not quit, not throw in the towel. I know we're living in some some dark days, some discouraging things going on in our land. You're still God and you are still on the throne. And I pray that we would just give you what we've got. And then as we see you move and bless, may we give you all the glory because you're the one that's worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come tonight and do business with God, you just mind the Lord. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. Wow, what a message. What a time we've had in God's house tonight. Why don't we use the altar this evening? Why don't we use the altar? If God's spoken to your heart tonight, maybe there's a net that you need to give him tonight. And you just slip out right now and just find your way down here to an old-fashioned altar and just rededicate, just rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you've lacked faith and tonight you'd come and just, just give your life to Christ and say, Lord, I'll, I'll let down a net tonight. They're going to sing tonight. They're going to sing a great song. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Right before they sing, let me ask this. Is there one here tonight, anywhere? We had several hands that were raised this morning. And you'd say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. But I'm sure that I want to go. And if you're here tonight, you'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere tonight like that? 
you'd raise your hand and just wave it at me tonight. If you're watching the live stream right now, if you're watching the live stream and there's a need that you have in your life, there's a number on the bottom of your screen, 704-327-5662. I want you to call that number right now. And we've got some folks that are standing by the phones and they want to pray with you tonight. Father, would you bless in this invitation? Speak to hearts tonight. God, thank you for ministering to me this evening. Lord, I, I appreciate what you've done. Have your way now, please, in this invitation. And we thank you in Christ's name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. They're going to sing. If you need to come, you come. I'm going to make my way to the main floor tonight. If, you can, if we can pray with you, you come while we wait.